Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Maybe just to uh, alter your position for a moment, we can stand for the reading of the word. Starting at verse 18. And the disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. And they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. So Jesus said to them, Can the friend of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the terror is made worse. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are rent. But new wine must be put in new wineskins. Heavenly Father, we ask that your blessings be added to the reading of the word. We pray, God, now that you would open our thinking, that, God, you would make our hearts tender to receive, that, God, we might hear from heaven tonight. Lord, may the Holy Spirit make truth real to our hearts. May the anointing rest upon each one and upon this pastor in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The first question here is, why do the Pharisees, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Seems like there's always someone that they got their eyes out looking for something wrong with the Lord's disciples. Whether they're eating grain on Sunday uh, in a field or, or uh, whether Jesus is healing someone or it just seems like someone has always got their eye out trying to stir something up. And it's easy to point to the Lord's disciple and find fault, but they overlook so many good things that the disciples uh, do. This occasion brought forth from the Lord a new revelation of himself, of his character. Here he reveals himself as the bridegroom. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. So let's start by 
looking here at verse 19, looking at the character of Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Can a friend of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. A friend of the bridegroom. The literal meaning of bridegroom here is the bride's man. And the church is the bride of Christ. Christ is her man, her lover, the one with whom there is an intimate fellowship going on. The children of the bridegroom, it says in the King James Version, And in my New King James here, it says the friend of the bridegroom. But the literal meaning here is sons of the bride chamber. It's those who have access to the bridegroom's uh, presence. Those who are acquainted with his will and with his purposes. They have the same purposes and the same desires as the Lord has. They share his secrets. They have communication with him. The connection between the Lord and his people in these verses is expressed in two of the closest human relationships as a child and as a bride. I think that the same sentiment is expressed in Song of Solomon 4.9 where it says, Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. God has ravished our hearts. There is an intimate love affair going on between the church of Jesus Christ and the bridegroom. The first relationship is brought about by birth, and the second is brought about by mutual choice. I'm a child of God because of the new birth. Everyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior becomes a son of God. Think about it. Jesus takes up residence in my heart and I become a son of God. There was a book out a few years ago here called uh, We're King's Kids or King's Kids. Well, we are. We have been adapted, uh, adopted into the family of God. God is my heavenly Father. Jesus is my 
older brother. We are one in the Lord. Hallelujah. And that's exciting to me. To think that God is my Father. Just think about that for a moment. That ought, that ought to really stir you up. God is our Father. The second relationship, we are the bride of Christ because He loved us and we love Him. That's the kind of relationship that we have in marriages. I didn't marry my wife because I had to. It was my choice. I chose her to be my lover. And God has chosen us to be His lover. Isn't that neat? We're chosen of God. You know, we have a mutual fellowship with Him. You can, you can tell God your most intimate secrets. You can tell God things that you would never tell anyone else. My wife and I share all of our secrets. I don't have any secrets from, from Betty. I think that's the way it should be in a love affair. And we shouldn't withhold any secrets from God. Hey, you know what? God knows about them anyway. The second thing here is the influence of His presence. It says in verse 19 there that they cannot fast. They cannot fast as long as they have the bridegroom. Hallelujah. As long as... We have the bridegroom. Why should we mourn? Why should we fast if we have God, if we have Jesus in our midst? Amen. Can a lover be sad when her sweetheart is right there with her? It's not necessary to have a lamp in the daytime. Those like John's disciples and the Pharisees, they're under the law. And they seek to be justified by works. They have a need of fasting. But the disciples of Jesus, they're not under the law. They're under grace. With the God of all grace with them, how could, how could they need to fast? His grace is sufficient for them. Their hearts were filled with love and joy, and they had no need of fasting. 
But our scripture doesn't end there. We also see the effects of his absence. Verse 20. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast in those days. I'm sure they fasted after their crucifixion. I'm sure that they fasted while they were waiting in the upper room and praying. Their hearts were heavy. They were sorrowful. So I'm sure that they fasted in those days. The reason we fast is not to twist the arm of God to make him do what we want him to do. So some people have a wrong concept of why we fast. If I fast and, you know, uh, Israel said, we've fasted and, and you haven't done these things. And it goes on to say, well, this is the fast that I have ordered. But the idea is that we're, we're not trying to twist the arm of God when we fast. We're trying to gain an access to the king. We're trying to bring down his presence. We're trying to establish communications. The Lord said when he is taken from you, then you got a reason to fast. And any heart that the presence of God is not evident needs to fast. I think our nation has need of fasting. I think our churches have a need of fasting. Whenever we become cold and hard and worldly and when, when, there, when there's not that presence of God that there should be there, we ought to fast. You know, when a person fasts, it's not the food that matters. You know, food is just, you know, that's the thing we usually put with fasting. But fasting is really giving up everything else to have the presence of God. See, fasting and prayer goes together. Fasting without prayer is just going hungry. But when you get so caught up with God that food doesn't mean anything and Time doesn't mean anything. and uh, Like at the beginning of our movement when they had all-night prayer meetings. They weren't worried about staying up. They weren't worried about sleep. They, they were willing to fast sleep. They were willing to fast food. They were willing to fast anything. Because they wanted the presence of God.
Next, we see the nature of his work. The work of Christ, or the grace of God, which uh, has come to us through him, is represented here by two new things. Number one, it's represented by new cloth. Verse 21. How many of you ladies sew? How many of you tried to patch Junior's pants by using a new piece of cloth on an old, an old pair of pants? Doesn't work very well. First time you wash them, things begin to tear apart. New cloth on an old garment, you first got to shrink the cloth first, then sew it on. There's been a tear in the old garment of human righteousness. It's become like rags. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All our righteousness are as filthy rags. And the new cloth of grace was not given to patch up the old garment of works. When the prodigal came home, he didn't take and sew some patches, or they didn't sew patches on that old raggedy garment he come wearing home. Over in Luke 15, it says that they asked for the best robe. Bring forth the best robe and put on him. Amen? Well, God has saved his best until last. The new wine's the best. You remember the woman, uh, the wedding at Cana? They saved the best wine until last. The miracle that Jesus performed. By grace ye are saved through faith, not, not of yourselves. It, it is the gift of God. You can't and you shouldn't, and it was never meant to, to patch up the old religion. The grace of, that was brought forth by Jesus Christ is something new, something fresh, something alive. Hallelujah. The second item here that represents that is wine, new wine. The new wine will not abide in the old skin bottles because they've already been stretched to their limit. And we can't put new wine in old bottles. The new wine of the kingdom needs to new, go into a new heart. Turn with me to Ezekiel, chapter 36. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. 
I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a, a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. See, God, God doesn't patch us up. He doesn't remake the old. But we're brand new. Hallelujah. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I was talking to a man. He, he said... Uh, I'm an alcoholic, and I have to go to these AA meetings, and I have to continually tell them I'm an alcoholic. But the truth of the matter is, he had received Jesus Christ afterwards. And it's not he's not the same person anymore. He is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, all things have become new. He is not an alcoholic anymore. He's a new creation in Jesus Christ. Therefore, be ye filled with the Spirit of God and, and walk in the Spirit of God and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen? Old things have passed away. Romans 6 and verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. We're to walk in newness of life. We don't have to walk under them that old bondage of, of works trying to be good enough to, to be a part of the kingdom of God. We are a part of the kingdom of God. We are the sons of God. We are, we are the wife. We are the bride of Christ. Amen? He's the bridegroom. Hallelujah. Romans 7 and verse 6. It says, But now we have been delivered from the law having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Hallelujah. We're, we, can, we can serve God in the Spirit. If we're filled with the Spirit of God, if we've got that new wine within us, amen? How many here would like, uh, like to... Uh, just be uh, more of what God wants you to be. Well, the secret is drawing close to God. The closer you get to God, the more He fills you with Himself. Matthew uh, 9, verse 17 says, The new wine is put in new bottles, and both are preserved. So, 
as I look at this, let's, let's not criticize. Let's just draw closer to God. It's easy. Anyone can point out the fact that you don't fast or you don't go to church as much as you should or you don't do this and you don't do that. Jesus says the answer is to be filled with the new wine. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's the bridegroom. We're the, we're the bride. We're the children. We are part of the kingdom. And as long as we have His presence, we don't have to fast. But if we don't have His presence, we better get to fasting. Amen? I would like to just kind of encourage everyone to seek God. You know... We, we all say we'd like to see revival in the land. Amen? But actually, revival starts in my heart with me. And what I have to do is seek the presence of God in my life. And if each one of us would seek the presence of God in our own lives, then the church would become filled with the presence of God then the community would be infiltrated by the power of God. And I believe that that's the whole secret. Rather than trying to be good enough, just draw nigh unto God and He'll draw nigh unto you. Bernie, would you close with a word of prayer, please?